Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. This morning, I want to talk to you about facing dark times. We've had this incredible worship, incredible uplifting time, and I'm about to bring a downer, okay? <laughs> well, here's what I promise to you is that this may be a little bit of a downer, parts of it at the beginning, but by the end, it's going to hopefully be a huge encouragement to you, this message will be today. But let's be honest and frank about this year that we've gone through, we're going through together. This has been one of the hardest years for many of us that we can remember, in recent memory anyway. Um, so many difficult things that we've all been going through, from a COVID pandemic to people losing their jobs and facing all kinds of financial struggles, marital struggles, divorce rates have spiked, and all kinds of divorce counseling and our, our marital counseling, different things like that, have gone way up. It's been really hard on a lot of marriages um, with all of that, the, the racial tension in our country, and then we're about a week away from a presidential election. So like, wow, here it all is, all at one time, right? And incredible. And then one thing I thought of this week is here it is October 25th. We're one month away from Thanksgiving, two months away from Christmas. And statistically speaking, these holidays are some of the hardest, darkest times for a lot of people. If you've gone through heartbreak or a divorce or you lost a loved one or any number of things where dreams have just been shattered etc holidays statistically speaking are some of the biggest times for depression and even suicide attempts so we're going into a season where many people are facing some darkness in their life maybe not total but it's it's still part of the struggle and i want us to talk about that today because i really believe that in all of this there is a question to be asked. How does God want us to face dark times? How are we supposed to process that as Christians? Or just people, maybe you're not a Christian yet, and I want you to consider that today, but more than anything, just begin to ask that question right now. Because we have all had those times where it's been really, really difficult. Dark times, maybe emotionally dark times, frustrating times. What do we do through those times? And I want us to take a look at a psalm. It's a famous psalm because it really speaks to dark times in the Old Testament. It's Psalm 88. I'd like us to look at that together. We're going to look at the first three verses, and then verse 10 through the end of the psalm, so 10 through 18. I'd like to read that for you. Let's take a look at it together. He starts off by saying, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. Maybe you've felt like that before. He goes on to say in verse 10, he says, Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness, your righteousness, righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help. Lord, in the morning my prayer comes before you. 
He goes on to say, why, Lord, why do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and, I'm in, and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me and your terrors have destroyed me. And then he ends like this. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. And that's the end of the prayer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and it kind of leaves you wondering, like, how, how did this get in the Bible, right? How is this one of the Psalms? What is that doing in the Bible? My goodness. And here's what's interesting, is that from the original Hebrew text, this last line, actually the last word is darkness. It actually literally reads, and my closest friend is darkness. Take that, God. I mean, he's talking to God, right? It's a prayer. <laughs> Unbelievable. It kind of makes you go, wait, what is going on here? Why is this here? Well, it's here to teach us some profound things some things that I think could be really helpful to us as we are walking through dark times. For those of you who are walking through dark times right now or have been or you know somebody that is or you love somebody that is, this, um, my prayer is that this message will be very encouraging to you today. Now, full disclosure, if I can be really honest, the last maybe like 15 months has been a rough season for me personally. Um, and it's not even any one thing that's been crazy traumatic. It seems like it started off with several people in our church and several friends of Leslie and I that are in ministry and other places that we're close with. They were just going through really hard, traumatic things in their life. Some of the hardest stuff you can imagine people are going through. And we're trying to walk closely with them lovingly and prayerfully encourage them through it and you know when you walk with somebody that you love and you're close with through a, the valley of the shadow of death you can't help but feel like you're in some darkness too it just it's you you feel the heaviness of what they're going through and it was just like thing after thing and there was lots of it happening all back to back and then the next part was actually good things we had two our two oldest girls one graduating from high school the other from college and we're helping them move on and move out and you think you know there, there's some parts of that that's like good you know like this is this is god's way you know for them to move out of the house and everything but it's weird I, it kind of threw me as a dad a little bit into a tailspin and i'm like my role as dad and my necessity as dad, I feel like was just like, I'm not sure what all I'm supposed to be doing. It sort of redefined my whole role. And it was just really a hard season for a little bit. And then Allie, our, uh, our middle daughter, she gets engaged, all good things. We love him, all of that. But it's like, whoa, this is all happening pretty fast. And um, it was just all these things and so many things happening personally that were happening all at the same time and i've had times in the past in my life where i felt like maybe i went through a little spell of depression it was just i was kind of down for a while and i was able to kind of snap out of it and move on but this was just not snapping this was this was lingering and i could not get out of the funk i don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that or in a season like that and it was just pretty much from last july 2019 all through the fall i just felt this heaviness that i couldn't seem to shake it was just hard and there was some physical pain in my body i couldn't remember there's just so many things that it was just like 
wow, God, I, I need to catch a break here. It's just it's hard. I don't know if you've been through times like that, but I think we all at some point have. And there were some things that God taught me through that. And just about the time I'm pulling out of that is when the COVID hit. So anyway, it's, and God teaches me a whole new set of things through all of I'm sure you have too. You've got your list of things God's been teaching you this last seven or eight months. And, but through all of that, I feel like God taught me some things. And this psalm has been one of those kind of uh, instrumental kind of parts of that process of looking, hey, here's another guy that's gone through really dark stuff and been in these places that feels dark. And maybe you felt like that too. So here's what I hope is that this will be an encouragement to you as, it, as we ask this question together. What is God teaching us through the dark times? What's he teaching us? Well, let me give you the first thing that I believe he's teaching us. That darkness can endure for quite a while for a believing Christian. Let's look at verse one again. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. You are the God who saves me. He has a saving faith in the Lord. He's looking to God as his Savior. And at the same time, he's going through darkness. Now, what exactly is he going through? We don't know exactly what he's going through, but we do know he's losing all of his friends. He might be dying. We don't know for sure. And he also feels incredibly abandoned by God. Now, let me, let me clarify. I'm saying he feels abandoned. That's his emotional response to his situation. And I'm sure you know this, but our emotions sometimes lie to us. Sometimes our emotions are not a true reflection of what is actually happening. He felt abandoned. I know he wasn't actually abandoned. God was there, but he felt like God had turned his back on him. He felt all alone in that moment. But we don't know exactly what was causing all of this. And that actually is a mercy. I truly believe that in some of these psalms where it stays vague about what they were struggling with, it allows us to use that psalm as a prayer for our own lives, that we can literally take chunks of this prayer and make it our own. And I think that was done on purpose. It's a grace, it's a mercy to us that was given to us. And so this shows us, this profound psalm tells us, it shows us you could be a believing Christian praying to God, doing a lot of the right things, and still go through hard times that just don't lift right away. And it just lasts for a while. And hear me, it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's not because God is mad at you or trying to get back at you. It's just part of the process. It's part of this life. It's part of this world. It's teaching us about the realism of the Bible. That's what this psalm is doing. That it's showing us that you can be, as I said, somebody who's a follower of God and still go through hard times. It reminds me of this great quote from an incredible work of art, a movie, maybe you've seen it before, maybe one of the greatest movies of all time, Princess Bride. Anybody here seen it? Okay. Here's the, here's the quote from Wesley. Wesley's talking to Princess Buttercup, and here's what he says, although at the time... She thinks he's the dread pirate Roberts. All right, I won't get into the movie. But he says this, life is pain, highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. And I'm telling you today, the Bible isn't selling something. The Bible is honest, it's real, and if you're considering becoming a Christian today, you need to know that the Christian faith is brutally realistic. It says, in this life, you will have trouble. There's going to be times there will be struggle. But fear not, because God is with you. Jesus says, I will be with you. I can walk with you through that valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to take it alone. You don't have to go it alone. 
But make no mistake, there will be difficulty. Now, there is this weird thing that happens to people sometimes. I've seen it both explicitly and implicitly in people's life. In other words, they sometimes just say it outright, and sometimes I kind of see that they believe it. They don't really say it, but they act as if it's true, and it goes something like this. Well, now that I'm a Christian, nothing really bad could ever happen to me. Like, if that's your expectation, that you believe that because you're a Christian, nothing really bad can ever happen to you, then let me just ask you to consider something. I know somebody way better than you, like way, way better than you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And his life didn't always go well. As a matter of fact, he was tortured and killed. And then in his ministry, he turns around and he says, in this world, you will have trouble. And, 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 and no servant will be greater than their master. If they hated me, they will hate you. But over in John 16, where he says, in this world, you will have trouble, he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. I'm not taking that away. That's going to be part of life. It's part of the human experience being on planet Earth. But I'm going to walk with you through it. And it's so important that we learn how to set our expectations. Because if we go through life, I mean, suffering in dark times is hard enough. It's brutal, isn't it? And then you stack on top of that this false expectation that, well, God won't let anything bad ever happen to us, which is just not true, even though he let bad things happen to Jesus, but he won't let it happen to us, even though the Bible never teaches that. Jesus never teaches that. He never says that. It's so important that we make sure that our expectations, this is so important, align with God's reality for this life that we're supposed to live. Because a big part of you handling suffering is expectations. It's an expectations game. If you expect to never suffer, the first time you go through suffering, you're going to think, well, God's not even with me. He must be angry. I, can, I don't even know if I can stay consistent. This is where you see people's fluctuation of their commitment to God go up and down according to their circumstances. Why? Because their expectations of him never letting anything bad happen are getting dashed against the rocks of reality. But half the battle of facing dark times is not from the suffering, but from the false expectations of not being met in your life. And there, I just want us to make sure we set proper expectations. God never says you won't have struggles, you won't go through hard times, you won't lose loved ones, you won't have a heartbreak, you won't go through any kind of rough patch, darkness. Oh no, you will, but you won't have to do it alone. And you will grow like crazy through it. And God will do things in your life that otherwise would never happen. I have seen that in my own life. He's grown me so much more through the dark times than through the good times. First, sometimes those dark times may last for a while for a believing Christian. Number two, why do, what is God trying to teach us through dark times? That darkness is the best place to learn about the grace of God. Now this prayer in Psalm 88 it is a prayer, but there's parts of it that look like an interrogation. I mean, he's asking some tough questions of God, like he's on the witness stand, and he's just coming at him with questions. Places like verse 10, where he says this, Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Like, he's coming after God. This is seen as a sarcastic rhetorical question 
that he's asking in this prayer. In other words, he's saying, God, I want to be your witness. I want to tell the world about you, but how am I going to do that if I'm dead? <laughs> That's not going to work. God, there's all these things I want to do for you, but you're not letting me. This does not make any sense to me. This darkness is so confusing. I don't know what to make of it. Have you ever felt like that when you're going through dark times? Like, God, help me out here because I don't get it. I don't understand what is happening, why I'm going through this. Man, he's just laid it all on the table. He comes really close to saying, God, answer me! <laughs> Whoa! Like, he, this is not a polite, reverent, or respectful prayer. Let me just tell you. But let me tell you something. He is talking to God. He is praying it to God. He is processing it with God. Verse 15, here's what he says. He says, from my youth I have suffered and been close to death. And, and many um, textual critics and, and commentaries will tell you that this is most certainly an exaggeration. It, it's kind of like saying, my whole life is a disappointment, God. You have let me down time and again. From the time I was little to now, it's been horrible. And, and it's funny because this is something that we all do at times. That in moments of desperation, stuff will come out of our mouth that don't really reflect our true heart or our true situation. Have you ever had those times where you're just, you're grieving, you're hurting, you're mad? I mean, you're just overcome with anger. And I mean, it's just, you're like insane out of your mind hurting in that moment. And there is stuff that will come out of your mouth. It's like you are interpreting and running all of life through that moment, that one moment. Everything is horrible because this moment is horrible. Everything. And you just start saying things. Some of the most hurtful things to people that you love some of those th things that wind up hurting you. I've heard people say, I got so worked up in that moment, I said things I should have never said to my spouse or to my kids or to my parents. And, and, and people, in moments like that, that's when they are contemplating suicide, when they are thinking about ending their own life. It comes from that kind of desperation in those moments like that, that darkness because that's how they feel in the moment. But he it's this, he's processing it with God. And I want you to hear today that when you go through, not if, but when, we all are going to have times like, when we go through times like that, God's saying, bring it here. Bring it to me. I'm big enough. I can handle it. There is grace enough for you and your tough questions. And you might not get the answer you want right now, but bring it to me. Bring it to me. In verse 18, the end of the psalm, beautiful, even though it's so hard, Darkness is my closest friend. He's saying, darkness is a better friend than you are right now, God. I would rather have darkness than you. Woo! That is a tough way to end a prayer, isn't it? Again, what on earth is this doing in the Bible? And one of the best answers I could give you for that is this prayer is a witness to God's grace and understanding of us. And I love this line, one of the best pieces of commentary to help interpret and understand this particular passage of Scripture. This psalm, I love this. God is showing us He knows how people speak when they are desperate. He knows us. He's not scared of that desperation. He says, bring it on. I want you to remember, don't you ever forget, God put this psalm in the Bible. God put this prayer in 
in the Bible on purpose, intentionally. He picked it. You, you might think God would be ashamed of that prayer and say, I don't want to identify as a God of somebody who prays like that. Forget it. But God does the opposite. He says, no, I do want to identify with somebody who prays like that. And if I can be brutally honest with you as a pastor of this church, I have prayed prayers like that. And I think when we come from our real heart and not put on shows and put on airs and try to put on a mask, there's going to be times that we need to just be brutally honest with God and God is showing us, I'm not scared of that. I am a God of grace and understanding and if you will bring that to me, you will find that I am faithful and I will help carry you through these dark times. I have learned 10 times more about the grace of God through dark times than I ever have through the good times. I just I hope that encourages you today. You pull close to him. Spend more time with him. Stop binging Netflix. Go spend time with Jesus. <laughs> Go get alone with him. Talk to him. Man, I'm telling you, journaling has been so helpful to me. I know I've talked about that many times. Some of you are like, enough about the journaling. But I'm just telling you, there's something about writing things down and just dumping your guts. Man, there's sometimes, those, those, those pages are tear-stained because I'm just getting so real. I'm so honest with God. It is so hard sometimes. We have to have him to pull through. And I pray you will do the same. You will hold fast to him. What else is God teaching us through dark times? Number three, there is no better place to become a person of greatness than in dark times. What do I mean by that? Greatness. I'm not talking about self-aggrandizement like it's all glory goes to you. I'm talking about God showing his greatness through your life. You see, this guy that wrote Psalm 88, he wasn't doing it all right. He wasn't saying everything just right, for sure. But he was saying it to God. He is praying to God. He's processing it with God. And what's interesting, there's so much about this psalm that harkens back to and kind of mirrors the kind of struggle that Job was going through in the book of Job. I'm sure many of you have heard about the, the, the struggles of Job's life. If you've never read that book, let me just give you a quick primer. Job chapter 1, it's just an interesting situation. There's a scene there that we rarely ever see in Scripture. you got God talking to Satan. Wow, how often does that happen, all right? God talking to Satan. They're in heaven. Satan shows up, and, and uh, God says, where you been? He says, I've been roaming around the earth. And he says, well, have you considered my servant Job? He's an incredible, faithful man. He, he is blameless. He's not perfect, but he serves me with his heart. And Satan makes an accusation about Job. He accuses him of shallow faith. He says, well, God... He only serves you because you bless him. In other words, he's in a contractual relationship with you, God. Yeah, he serves you. He does all these things for you. It's because you bless him. Look at he's like, he's wealthy, all his kids are doing well, and nobody's sick, and he's got all this money, and like, yeah. But I, I, here, here's a little challenge for you, Lord. If you bring some darkness into his life, he'll curse you to your face. He'll stop serving you. He's in a contractual relationship. In other words, he doesn't really love you for you, God. He loves you for him. His love for you, his service for you, is really a love for himself because he is getting something out of it. You take the getting something out of it out of the equation, watch. 
And that's exactly what happened over the several pages coming through the, uh, the story of Job is that he was put into some incredible darkness. And he processed that with God. But what's interesting about the way that this book of Job is written, this accusation here, literary speaking, literarily speaking, was not just about Job that we're to understand for the way the, the book is written that is an accusation actually against every single one of us who ever read the book. That are you in a contractual relationship with God? Well, yeah, like me and God are good as long as like, life is going good. Well, as soon as life is going bad, there's any darkness, any struggle, any suffering, any hard times, then, man, I'm, I'm quick to back away. God, where are you? I don't know. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to kind of... Is that the kind of relationship that you have? shallow every one of us in this room have been subjected to a relationship like that probably at some point in your life where you thought somebody was your friend and really cared about you and getting close to you for you and only to find out later that they really were only friendly with you because they thought you could open a door for them or you could connect them with somebody and how did that make you feel kind of used and cheapened you didn't really want to be around that person anymore and hard and if you feel that way how much more does that hurt the heart of God? As we go back to the story of Job, I think it's important that we ask the question, you know, is, is Satan right about us? Is that the way that we approach darkness? Is that the way we approach dark and hard times, suffering? As long as you're blessing me, God, yeah, I'll be close. Otherwise, no way. But Job, he processed his hard times. Just like Psalm 88, he was angry he was frustrated he was hurt but he processed it with god over and over and over again and at the end of the book of job god says job has honored me and i will bless him once again and i will pull him close once again and in the end satan was defeated because job refused to walk away from god even when he wasn't getting anything out of the relationship he shows us how to face this. And over in Psalm 88, Psalm 88 was written by a man named Heman, not Haman, the villain over in Esther, but Heman, Heman was a different guy. He was a son of Korah. We're told about him many places in the Old Testament. One of them was 1 Chronicles chapter 6, where we're told he was the head of a Kohathite guild of musicians and poets that worked for Israel. They were a part of basically like a worship team. He was sort of like the head of the worshipers. And these sons of Korah actually wound up writing many of the Psalms throughout the 40s and the 80s of the Old Testament. You can read these Psalms that were written by the sons of Korah, and this is who he, who he was, who he is. And what's incredible about this is that psalms is still considered today one of the greatest works of literary art in the history of the world like everybody understands this whether you're a uh, a christian or non-christian um, scholar this is just what is understood about the 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 psalms and what's interesting about that that means that these psalms have been read by literally millions and millions of people down through the 3,500 years that they have been in circulation since they were written. This means that millions and millions of people have been encouraged by 
and inspired by the words of Heman who went through such a dark time. I want you to see that through the darkness, God brought greatness in his life. This prayer was not the end of his story. It was just a little part of it. But he was honest enough to process it with God. And what's beautiful is that Jesus makes it possible for you and I to be able to move through any darkness that we may face because he was willing to face the ultimate darkness for every single one of us. Over in Matthew chapter 27, we're told that when Jesus was on the cross dying for the sins of all people, our sins, yours, mine, every person, that darkness descended upon the earth, like literal darkness, both that you could see and spiritual darkness that descended on Jesus himself right before he died, where Heman felt a subjective darkness, Jesus took on a literal darkness. Where Heman had a subjective kind of abandonment, Jesus went through a literal abandonment for us. He faced that. He faced it down. He took it on himself so that we can now pray to him, ask for him to come into our life, that we believe in you, Jesus. We ask you to come into our life, forgive our sin, and that he will forgive our sins. And he will become the savior of our life. And he will walk with us through all darkness and save us from abandonment. In other words, Jesus experienced darkness as his only friend so that when you and I go through darkness, you can know that Jesus is still your friend he is still yours. He has not abandoned you. He's still with you. And there is nothing on earth that would ever make him leave you or forsake you ever. And I love this promise from the Apostle Paul over in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, where he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation, to which I would say what would be included in anything else in all creation is darkness. Not even darkness will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise! What a promise. It doesn't matter what darkness you're going through today or the people that you love are going through. Jesus is saying, I will not abandon you, but you've got to come to me. You've got to trust me. You've got to turn your heart to me. And today, I just want to encourage you, wherever you are, if you're going through dark times right now and you may say, God, I'm not getting anything out of this right now and it's so hard, but you're God and I'm not. And, and I don't understand all of why this is happening, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep coming to church. I'm going to keep worshiping you. I'm, I'm going to keep loving my neighbor. And you know what will happen, ladies and gentlemen? Something will begin to change. Something will begin to, 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 to grow and convert. And, and there is a growth and a depth and a spiritual acceleration that will happen that all of a sudden that you will begin to stop being a person that's in a transactional, self-centered relationship with God and you will begin to understand God's power, his strength, endurance, and greatness in your life like nothing else will teach you in all of the world if you will stay close to him, draw near to him during this time. 
Here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me as we close out. Jesus, I'm committed to throw out my transactional relationship with you. I will seek you no matter how long the darkness lasts. I don't care how long. I got you. I'm going to keep walking. Thank you for your friendship. I trust in you with all my heart. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com. 